Welcome to the SW podcast. Today we will be reviewing the three day battle of Gettysburg. So, for a quick recap of day one, we're going to hand it over to Wyatt Fowl. Before we begin, we need to know who was in charge of the armies. George Meade was the Union com- commanding general, while Robert E. Lee was the Confederate commanding general. Picture this. Lee commanded 30,000 troops to move into the town of Gettysburg, while Major General Henry Heth advances into Gettysburg to acquire supplies only to be met by Union cavalry. Pushing 20,000 Union troops to fortify Cemetery Hill, the Confederates attacked twice, one of which the Union held for two hours while the other forced the Union to retreat. The ratio of Confederate troops to Union troops would be 3 to 2. Therefore, the Union was heavily outnumbered and held their position fairly well for the numbers that they did have. Moving on to day 2, the Union decided to form a fishhook line that surrounded Culp's Hill to Cemetery Ridge. The Union's line of defense started from the base of Big Round Top, stretched up to Cemetery Hill, and then curled back right behind Culp's Hill. Despite the attacks, the Union held their defensive positions fairly well. Then, the next defensive strategy was Sickles' line. Sickles' line stretched from the Devil's Den to the Peach Orchard, the Wheat Field, Little Round Top, to Cemetery Hill. It was not planned, and Daniel Sickle moved his troops into the Peach Orchard without orders. The Confederate Army advanced upon the left flank of the Union fishhook, and fierce hiding took place along the Wheat Field and the Peach Orchard. After the fight on Sickles' line, the wheat field remained open for the rest of the battle. Cemetery Hill was the next focus of the battle. Most of this occurred as hand-to-hand combat after the soldiers ran out of ammunition. It occurred on the night of after day two, after troops began to run out of ammunition and fell back to hand-to-hand combat. Now that we can focus on the land layout... The terrain of Gettysburg consisted of seven main portions of land, and each each were coveted by both armies. The first portion of land was the Devil's Den. The Devil's Den was a nest of boulders that bordered the peach orchard along the bottom of the battlefield. Secondly, Big Round Top, which was not a great location for holding, but the battle occurred only because of moving. It was not planned. Thirdly, the peach orchard and the wheat field Both were the two flat areas of Gettysburg, where most of the hand-to-hand combat took place, was also a part of Sickles' line, and was right above Devil's Den. Next, we moved to one of the best locations on the battlefield, Little Round Top. It was to the right of Devil's Den and highly valuable ground for the great view. It stayed in possession of Union sharpshooters. On day two, Lawrence Chamberlain and the 20th of Maine formed a V position to hold off the Alabama regiments that would try and take over the hill. This hill would later be used in the third day against Pickett's Charge as a place for artillery and would be a very key part in the battle. Next, we move to Cemetery Hill. It's at the top of the battlefield, and it was very valuable as well, a place where artillery could fire freely upon the field. And finally, we have Culp's Hill, which is southeast of Cemetery Hill, yet above the Peach Orchard slash Wheat Field. Taking a look at day three, we're going to focus our look on Pickett's Charge. And I'm going to hand it over to Wyatt to give a general recap of that day. So essentially on day three, we believed the Union was weak and decided to get a big push to end the fight. 
This big push would occur in a field closest to Cemetery Ridge. Lee would command George Pickett to charge on the Union soldiers with his division. One of the most famous lines from the Battle of Gettysburg comes from George Pickett. He reportedly said, General, I have no division. At this point in the battle, it was looking bleak for the Confederates, and their numbers were slowly diminishing, or quickly diminishing. Pickett decided to take 12,500 soldiers on a suicide mission straight to the heart of Cemetery Ridge. The soldiers would march through smoke and artillery barrage from Cemetery Hill and Little Round Top. One of the generals there that day, his name was Louis Armistead. Him and Winfield Hancock, who was a Union general, were best friends prior to the war. They both graduated at West Point. Louis Armistead would make it to the ridge and be mortally injured by a gunshot that would fi be fired from right in front of him. Win or Hancock would also be shot, but not killed. The two of them would never speak again as they were taken to separate places for treatments. So you could see here how both sides had brothers fighting against each other and that it was a very heavily divided divided cause. Pickett's charge would end in absolute failure. 60% of the people who charged that day would would die on the battlefield. Following the charge that Pickett would lead on Cemetery Ridge, the Confederate army would retreat back to their line and be greeted by their band playing nearer my god to thee the same thing would also be happening on the union line at that same night it was also stated that a light mist of rain had covered the battlefield as if the heavens above were crying at the at the scene that had just occurred also on day three the only civilian was killed at the battle of gettysburg her name was jenny wade her house is located close to the center of Gettysburg, and in fact, the reason she was killed was because of a stray bullet, not actual intention. She was actually baking a loaf of bread when she got the bread out of her oven and was hit by a stray bullet and mortally injured. Now that we've covered all three days of the Gettysburg Battle, let's take a look at the statistics. So about 160,000 troops were estimated to be at the Battle of Gettysburg, and out of this, 85,000 troops were Union, while about 75,000 of the troops were Confederate. Out of 160,000 troops, 51,000 casualties were estimated to occur. 23,000 of those casualties were estimated to be Union soldiers, while 28,000 were estimated to be Confederate. Out of the whole battle, about 7 million rounds of ammunition were fired over the course of all three days. This equals out to about 500,000 pounds of ammo. During this blistering hot battle, troops were given adequate supplies to fight, yet were still enclosed in heavy wool uniforms and were forced into the sun for most of the blistering heat. Therefore, some soldiers suffered from extreme heat exhaustion and other side effects. As we approach the end of our podcast, here are some interesting facts you may not know. During the second day's battle was the largest and most expensive of all three days of Gettysburg. All told, the second day's battle required over 100,000 soldiers, 20,000 of whom ended up killed, wounded, captured, or missing. Secondly, 
Female soldiers fought on both sides of the war. Hundreds of women enlisted, and there are nine verified female soldiers who died on a Civil War battlefield, one of them killed at Gettysburg. Thirdly, the wagon train of wounded Confederates was 17 miles long. However, the company met trouble when, re- when they reached the Potomac River. Heavy rainfall arrived as the battle ceased and lasted for several days, causing dangerously high water levels and blocking the troops' passage across. This was a missed opportunity for General Meade. Had he chose to follow them, they could have ended the Civil War then and there. A few months later after the Battle of Gettysburg, at the National Cemetery, Lincoln would consecrate it, November 19, 1863. In a mere 272 words, Lincoln's Gettysburg Address recasts the war as not merely a struggle to maintain the Union, but as a battle for larger human ideals. Lincoln would call for a new birth of freedom and assert the survival of democracy itself was at stake. He told his countrymen that the task remaining was to ensure that the government of the people, by the people, for the people, shall not perish from this earth. Prior to the Civil War, Gettysburg had been a prosperous village that had supported two colleges. After the battle, however, it would be forever seared by the memories of slaughter. In the battle's immediate aftermath, corpses outnumbered the residents of the village of just over 2,000 by four to one. Lastly, John Buford, whose cavalry fired the the first shots of the battle, died December 16th in 1863. His death death is thought to have resulted from typhoid fever and a body weakened by exhaustion. He received a deathbed promotion to Major General, post dated to July 1st, 1863. To wrap up this podcast, we're going to take a minute to look at the Gettysburg Address. Now, some common ideas were the opinion that was generally held divided along the political lines with Republican journalists praising the speech as heartfelt while Democrats derode it as inadequate and inappropriate for the momentous occasion. Edward Everett, the featured speaker at the dedication ceremony of the National Cemetery of Gettysburg, later wrote to Lincoln, I wish that I could flatter myself that I had come as near to the central idea of the occasion in two hours as you did in two minutes. Thanks for tuning in to the SNW podcast. Join us next time as we discuss the events leading up to the surrender of Lee and the Confederate Army at Appomattox.